Hey everyone, this is Brian from the Tennis IQ Podcast. Josh and I hope that you're enjoying the content and discussions that we put out week after week. If you'd like to support the podcast and help us to continue to produce quality episodes, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast slash membership. Currently, we have two tiers of support, $3 per month and $7 per month. So again, our Patreon page is patreon.com slash podcast slash membership. Thank you so much. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Josh Berger. And I'm Brian Lomax. And our topic today is about prioritizing learning first in your tennis journey. Um, some of what we talk about today will be similar to our previous episode on the, the best version of you, uh, you know, really the version of who you are becoming. Um, but Josh and I wanted today to put a little bit more structure around your priorities, meaning the goals that you set um, and how you essentially prioritize or put into kind of a, an order um, what you're trying to achieve in tennis. Um, so, for example, you know, understanding the types of goals that you're setting. Are you setting mostly outcome goals that are about wins and rankings and ratings uh, or championships? Uh, or are you setting more goals that are around mastery and learning? And so we want to talk a little bit more about today the, um, the advantages for you as a player as you uh, try to become, and, and I think this is something we'll emphasize, Josh, is that um, the overall goal that we would like everybody to have is to simply become the best tennis player, competitor, person that they can become. Um, and that that should be really more at the top of any sort of uh, hierarchy of goals that we have. And I think what we typically see uh, with players is that that isn't necessarily true. Um, there's a lot of pressure, expectations, and, and so forth from outside influences, typically, um, that make you believe um, that your top goals should be more outcome-oriented. And the idea of um, just simply becoming the best you can become doesn't really factor in quite as much, or it, it, it feels lower. You may recognize it, but you don't actually give it the prioritization or importance that you could. And you know, today we want to get into why that's important, why that is um, a better way to look at your tennis and your development. And I don't think this matters where you are in your journey. You could be you know, 10, 15, 55. doesn't matter. Um, if you can apply this mindset, we think that you'll, uh, you'll improve more and more. Um, and, you know, ultimately, you know, get to a place where you'll feel like you've become a great tennis player. You've become that, you know, not, maybe you haven't mastered the sport, but you're on that path to mastering the sport. So when you think, Josh, about the idea of, um, you know, learning, becoming the best you can be versus, say, other outcome goals. What are some thoughts that come to your mind? Um, because I'm sure you've worked with players who 
who have had both of these attitudes or maybe even neither, right? Some players come with no goals whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I would say the the default is is often results, prioritizing results, prioritizing, I want to win this tournament, I want to be number one in the world, I want to get a college scholarship, I want to you know, move from 3-5 to 4-0 or 4-0 to 4-5 in my USTA level. Um, I, I want to raise my, my UTR rating, whatever it is. I think that is very common. And I, I would say in many ways, it's, it's the default for a lot of people. Um, so I think it it is cert, sort of a, a leap of faith and sort of um, it, it's a, it, it can take time for somebody to buy in to really embracing embracing the process and embracing learning as it learning and, and being the best player you can be as as the goal. Um because I think it it takes some time to really recognize that by doing that and by saying, okay, my, you know, I'm trying to be the best player I can be. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to focus on all these different pieces that that helps me get there, whether that's the mental piece, whether that's the strength and conditioning piece, whether that's my lifestyle in terms of my sleep, my hydration, my nutrition, whether that's the tech technical aspects of my game, the strategic aspects, you know, by putting all of these puzzle pieces together and by making them all strong, making them all sort of, you know, work towards that goal of being the best player you can be, that leads to results. If you are becoming that that best, you know, reaching your potential um, and becoming as good as you can possibly be, you'll, you'll get results. Your, your UTR rating will go up. Your, your ranking will go up. You'll win more matches. You'll have some of these, you know, you'll, you'll have the results that, that are desired. um, But, but ultimately you're, you're able to, you're able to do that in a way where, and I think we can talk more about this, but, you, you know, I think you're going to feel less pressure on yourself because the the goal that we're talking about of prioritizing learning, of making, you know, being the best player you can be really the goal and the priority, um, that's controllable. That, it's controllable that, that you're doing everything in your power to become better every day and, and try to be that, that best player that you can be. Um, results or not whether you win the tournament is ultimately out of your control. You could be playing an opponent who's having their best day ever. You could be playing an opponent who is just stronger than you. A stronger, a stronger player is just better. Um, there could be issues with line calls. There could be an injury. There, There's so many different factors that are out of your control every time you're on a court. But by trying to, um, but by trying to make the focus on something controllable and something like your development process and learning and continuing to add to your game and learn from all of our performances, both wins, losses, both times where it felt like things went really well and, and not as well. Uh, that's how we continue to get a little bit better day by day. Yeah. And the whole results thing, yeah, I think you're right. The default is probably wins college tennis, moving up a, uh, a level, whether that's UTR, NTRP, WTN now. Um, yeah, or even winning your league championship as an adult, whatever that is. 
Um, I, I would agree that that's that's the default. But then you know when that becomes whether it's by default or by design, those are your your goals. Then you start to see lots of other things in the environment as threats to it, because you, like you said, you can't fully control that. So if I want to win this match, well, I have this person on the other side of the net who is yeah is part of the result. Um, yes, we we don't have full control over the result. Of course, we have some, and but so does your opponent. And so you know how you look at the opponent now is different. Now you're looking at your opponents as threats, looking at everything is going on as a threat to me achieving that. Where when it's about learning, there really aren't threats to you learning other than you know the only barrier is yourself and your attitude. Um, and so it becomes much easier. And we talk about this often to look at things as challenges when this is about learning. And that you're challenging yourself to do certain things, very specific, more controllable things that will then help you to help your game to progress further, thus helping you to achieve those results. And so this really comes down to, I think, Josh, is how do you order the priority of what you want, you know, around your purpose of for playing tennis? And again, most players probably don't have a stated purpose or or a stated why. And again, we would go back to our episode on, you know, the player you're becoming as being the most important version of yourself. If that can be a, a strong why for you, then you can order the the correct priority of what it is that you want to focus on in order to to make that happen. And you know, I think enjoyment and learning are two real keys, two real major priorities that we should all be putting into our tennis. Um, you know, and when we looked at a very academic definition of what it means to be competitive, you know, and we've done that in a few episodes, um, enjoyment and learning were priorities one and two. Priority three was, you know, playing with a strong desire to win. Um, so, we're not saying that winning isn't important, but it's 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 got to be lower than your prioritization of enjoyment and learning. And I think if we put enjoyment and learning at the top of, say, your goal pyramid and let those things drive everything else, as you said, Josh, I think it does take pressure off. Now, when you go into an event, um, my goals here are more about enjoying myself, having, you know, and that doesn't mean... Um, not caring. I think we want to make sure that people don't, you know, misinterpret that. Um, enjoyment just means, you know, you're enjoying something you love to do. Um, we don't want to base enjoyment on quality of performance or winning and losing. That, again, now is out of our control. We want we simply want to enjoy that we playing the game, being active, hitting the ball, all those things. Um, and then we feel less pressure if this is about something I want to learn today, uh, something I want to improve today. Um, and there's so many things that one could work on. And you know, this is where it's helpful to have a coach or sports psych professional that you work with who is on board with this prioritization of your game. And the more you improve, of course, the, the more your results will improve. Um, you know, but, but of course, as you get better, 
it becomes more challenging, you know, and I've seen this with some of the players that, that, that I'm working with, um, as they've achieved some more and more results, they're starting to get more attention from other people. And now it's like, oh, you know, do I deserve this attention? Do I deserve this attention of this college coach or the media or so forth, right? And so um, we have to constantly be reminding ourselves of what's really important out there. Um, Because, yeah, that level of success will lead to more personal expectations. They'll lead to expectations from other people, which could be – you know, your parents, family members, coaches, teammates, they see you winning all the time. Now they expect you to win all the time. Um, and you may feel the necessity to defend where you are, defend your current status, defend the fact that you're now seated one or you didn't used to be seated at all. Um, and these things lead to, to a lot of pressure. So even if you are able to adopt this mindset and it takes you to a certain level of success, there will be some challenges in maintaining it. Um, and I think this, again, applies at every level of the game uh, because these outside expectations will come up and your own personal expectations will come up. And this is why I think it's very important that players are um, deliberate and purposeful about prioritizing enjoyment and learning first and that they you know, in times where it's challenging, they're able to go back to that and understand, okay, no, this is what it's about. This is why I'm doing this. This is the purpose of my tennis project. It's not just to get into college or to be a pro. Um, it's to become the best I can be, right? Or it's not just to be about going from 3-5 to 4-0 or 4-0 to 4-5 or whatever, winning the league. Um, in, in many instances, nobody even cares about these tournaments, you won't even remember it in a year or two from now what really happened. So um, we want to make sure that uh, the more that you can continue to touch base with the purpose of your tennis project and have it centered more on the learning, um, you will improve. The players who, I've, who, who have bought into this that I work with have had so much more improvement, are able to go out there and enjoy themselves so much more, play with less pressure, and then to be able to rationally discuss those. I mean, that doesn't mean it's perfectly smooth. Yeah, there are ups and downs and it's not perfect out there on the court, but they feel so much better about their tennis when this is the approach. Um, but of course, it, it, it comes with, with its challenges because the industry um, is not necessarily educating people in this way. Um, and we live in a society that highly values results. And of course, results are important. Uh, but the thing that we all have to learn is what is our best way of creating results? And um, you know, obviously, I think we're in, in agreement here, Josh, that learning is that path. And I know I've used this quote before, but I'll use it again from, from Bill Walsh, you know, a famous uh, American football coach for the San Francisco 49ers uh, back in the 1980s. You know, his quote is, when the environment is dedicated to learning, the result takes care of itself. His teams were very successful. Um, if anybody is, you know, a fan of uh, professional American football. Um, so if a guy like that believes that learning uh, is the priority and that when your training environment 
and your competition environment is all dedicated to that, um, you will see the results you want. Yeah, I would I would agree that I've 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 had similar um I, I I've seen similar things with players that I've worked with um who have you know really bought in to this idea of you know making learning most important and and making learning most important and when they're out there in a match trying to not focus on the results so much and trying to focus on going out there having fun I mean my you know going out there having fun focusing on their game not trying to trying to not think too much about um results and winning and losing and i i think it, it really is um you know the the same the same player will have certain moments where they they find themselves really focusing on results and other moments or other weeks or months where they're not and other in you know during those times they're just focusing on their game they're, fo they're focusing on enjoyment they're focusing on continuing to get better and it turns out the results are actually a lot better during those phases um so i've, I've definitely seen the same and you know I, I think it's it's important to recognize that i think we all have some of, of both of the both of those within us we, we have that side of us that cares about the results cares about the recognition cares about or not or not cares about because i think as, as you said brian everyone does and should care about their results but they have that side of us that i'll say the word again prioritizes it and you know holds that above everything that result um and we have that side of us that you know that prioritizes and um, puts more of our attention on how we get better and how we continue to grow from, from each experience. So I think, you know, it, it's important that, you know, we, we do recognize it. And I think it's also important to, you know, if, if we look back I, and I can definitely say this with myself, if I look back to past matches where I've played better, it's the matches where I'm not so focused on winning and losing. So the matches where I feel really loose out there, the, ma the matches where I feel relaxed, loose, I can, you know, I'm, I'm thinking a lot clearer. I'm not sort of clouded by too much of a focus on winning this match or what is this going to do to my, you know, my rating, my ranking. Um, but let's go out there. Let's have, you know, let's have fun. Let's do what I know I'm capable of doing. Um, so I, I guess, you know, I would invite whoever's listening to ask themselves those same questions. You know, when do you feel like you play best? Is it when you're, you know, focused on winning and losing and maybe a, a rivalry um, or a result? Or is it more when you are focused on, you know, going out there, playing your game, uh, you know, actively trying to take pressure off of yourself, Um because I, I think I think it's interesting, and I think you know what what we're suggesting is not to not care about your results. Obviously, you're you're competitive, you're a competitor, and you want to win. But if that is is constantly what's on your mind, when it's you know if it's thirty forty, and you're thinking, okay, I really want to win, I really want to win this game. I can't let my opponent win this next point because then I I break serve and then I go down and in the set compared to okay, what do I need to do here? Okay, my my kick serve out wide to my opponent's backhand has really has been working for me all day. Um, you know, I'm going to 
really try to set that up and then set up my serve plus one to try to set up my forehand to be aggressive. So to try to focus more on the process of my strategy in that situation rather than just on results. And I think that is, this is a topic I know we've touched on in, in different ways in, in a number of episodes. And it really started with with episode two, our interview with, with Brian Barker, who as as many know, you know, coached at, at the highest level of the game, and you know that that was that that was in that episode. He talks about you know if two players are of a similar level and the match is on the line, and one is focused on just winning and putting that sort of a pressure on themselves, and the other is focused on being the best player they can be, being the best person that they can be, you know, and enjoying being out there. Uh, which one has a better chance ultimately. And I think in, in the last thing I'd add here is the thing about having a goal like being the best player that you can be is that there's no finish line there, right? If the goal is I want to get a D1 college scholarship or or a college, you know, I want to play college tennis or I want to raise my NTRP rating in, in adult league tennis, um, if, if the goal is something like that, what happens after that goal is achieved? Maybe there's a process of, you know, creating a new goal and, and that that's that can be a conversation. But if the goal instead is I'm trying to be the best player that I can be, there's there's no goal, there, there's no finish line there. There's no end date. You can always get better. You can always, you know, look at the different areas of your game and think about what you can improve upon. You can always analyze results. You know, we, we've talked about the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, and he talks about this as well, trying to prioritize um, your identity and, and how, you, you know, if, if you're trying to be, if you're trying to run more, to start with that point of identity and start by, okay, I, I am a runner. And what does that mean? Okay, that means that I run multiple times a week. That means that I sign up for races. That that means a number of things rather than I'm my goal is to run a 5K or my goal is to run a half marathon or a marathon because then after that race, after that event, you don't necessarily have anything that continues to to motivate you or to push you um you know, it can feel very much like a like an like a finish line. No, no pun intended there. But um, <laughs> but um, no, I, I think with with all of this type of stuff, it, it's important to, you know, it, it really is more of a philosophical approach that you know we're starting with more the end in mind that you know our end goal is to try to learn to try to keep getting better and then we're we're sort of putting in the pieces along the way each day how do we do that am i getting that 1% better each time i'm out there and as as i've said as we've said you know that's the type of approach also that where you're going to feel i, I think for maybe not for everybody but for most people you're going to feel less pressure because that's that's something that's that's very clear that's very clear in terms of what the mission is the mission if the mission is getting a bit better that feels more attainable more achievable rather than my mission is to increase my utr by 0.5 within the next couple months because maybe you win matches maybe you lose matches again not 
fully within your control in that same way. Yeah, and you know, you also can't control who you get to play. So if you're always playing people who are not as good as you, it's going to have a very difficult time raising that. Or if you're playing people too good, you know, your results may not be what you want. Um, I want to get back to the whole results thing, Josh, because I think you 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 had a really good uh, way of putting it with um, what Brian Barker had said. You know, the difference between a player is just focused on winning, and then one who's really focused on more process-oriented types of things, um, being the best they can be, being a good person, being a good competitor. I think there's a difference between being focused on winning and playing to win. And I think we want to make sure that we're not saying results are not important. And I know we've said that they are. Of course, we live in a society that measures your success based on results. You don't get into the International Tennis Hall of Fame in Newport, Rhode Island, because you tried hard, right? There's, I don't think there's a room there, and Josh would know better than anybody because he used to work there, um, for the, here's the great effort room, right? The winning, of course, is a, an important part <clears throat> of showing success. But even if we look at the guys who have won, you know, now over 20 Grand Slams, 20 Grand Slams, right? The, the, the big three of Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal. Um, they didn't stop at one and say it's over, done, I've reached the pinnacle. They kept going, kept playing. They kept improving themselves. Um, and so you're right, Josh, there's no finish line other than perhaps, you know, with them, there's obviously there's going to be some physical limitations as younger people come up and, and so forth. So, but that doesn't mean they can't keep playing and, and pursuing other parts of their games. Um, <clears throat> but what does it mean to play to win? Because I think this is another area in which this is where the real learning takes place. I believe that when you are hyper-focused on winning, that the fear of losing often gets in the way of you playing to win. You will, you know, what, what happens, and you've heard these stories, and we've talked about this before in past episodes. When you first meet parents of a young player, and they'll talk about how, you know, they, tr- they struggle closing out sets, but they're great at coming back, right? And of course, you know, we're both thinking there, okay, it's not so much about them, right? It's a dynamic between um, having nothing to lose versus, versus protecting a lead. Um, and so when we're so focused on winning, we actually lose sight of how to play to win. And so I think it's also um, important that everyone has a good understanding of what it means to play to win, um, which also makes me think of the conversation we had with Christina Rolo and Dave DeHaan about everything is practice. If everything is practice, now the winning and the losing are no longer threats. You can reduce the amount of fear that you have going on. You can let fear not be the most important thing. You can let doing the right thing be the most important thing. And this is where when it comes to being competitive, yeah, it's a strong desire to win, but it's a, it's a, it's an ability to play to win. So in pressure situations, what does that mean? It means you're focused on what you need to do. Your effort level is high. Um, your breathing, your body language are all under control. You're able to watch the ball well. You feel confident 
in your strokes. Your body is feeling good because you're actually intentionally working on it. You have a play that you want to go for. Um, so you're really, in essence, trying to approach success. You're not avoiding failure. When we are so focused just on winning, we tend to you know, use more avoidance type of behaviors, protecting the league, avoiding mistakes, etc. But when we're playing to win, now we're, we're trying to actively play our A game, we're trying to do our best in this moment. And we trust it. And whatever happens, we'll learn from it, whether it, we were successful playing to win or we were not. Now we have a lot of good data that can help us move forward. So, you know, I think as we start to, you know, add what are learning goals that you can use in matches, um, a lot of it should be around, um, you know, playing to win or even maybe more specific uh, tactical things or, or uh, maybe technical things. I don't like to think about technical things so much in matches, but they could be small ones, you know, maybe contact point is a is say an okay technical thing that I wanted at the waist or higher, something like that. Um, but you want to make sure that the goals that you have going into a match, those process goals, those controllable goals, are ones that if you do them well, you'll learn from that piece, but you are more likely to have a good performance there. Um, I don't even think, you know, going into matches, we even need to talk about winning. I mean, who plays a tournament with the goal of losing, right? Um, and I've had, I've had this conversation with several of the people we work with. I'm like, why are we talking about winning? Who doesn't want to win? Who doesn't have fun winning? It's kind of a silly discussion for us to always be talking about winning. We got to talk about how. How do you win? What's your recipe or formula for doing this? That's what we need to be learning more about having you develop more clarity on. And so your goals going into matches should be really more about how do I play to win? What's my formula for that? Maybe it's great footwork. Maybe it's being a great defender. Maybe it's uh, I need to work on my serve plus one and return plus one today. Those things need to get better. I know that that is the key to me. Or maybe it's playing a specific pattern. Um, I really want to work on my high heavy stuff today because that's I know that that's going to unlock my forehand. And if you could be looking at goals, again, I think goals really show what your priority is. Um, then you have a better chance of creating better performances. And then you will learn so much more. When you let fear be the driver of your performance, you learn a lot less. And fear can become the driver of performance when it's about expectations, when it's about results, when it's about defending who you are. Um, so back to that Dave DeHaan, Christina Rolo conversation, if you can look at everything as practice, set goals like around or you know set goals that really help you bring more clarity to how you play to win because it's different for all of us. Um, then you're going to learn so much more. Go out there, play your A game. Learn about your A game. Learn about your strengths. Um, learn about what needs work. And you know, the more that we can look at the language around the sport is not so much good and bad, but more about um, what I'm doing well, right? A behavior. We're not labeling it or giving it a value. It's what I'm doing well. 
It's not like I have a great forehand. No, I hit my forehand well today. Um, and then other parts of your game are going to just need work. You know, it's not a value judgment. It's nice and neutral. Needs work, right? Because the goal, become the best player I can be. Um, and I really think, you know, if we were to talk to Djokovic and Nadal especially um, about this topic, they would they would completely agree with us that it's not so much about winning the titles. I know Rafa talks about he just plays tennis because he enjoys it. He just wants to keep enjoying it. He just happens to be very good at it, right? Um, and, and over the years, does he get nervous? Like you said, Josh, yeah, of course, everybody feels these things. Um, but in the end, you know, Rafa has talked a lot about the personal satisfaction of playing tennis. And it's not in the winning and the losing. He noted after a match, you know, against Dominic Team some years ago at the U.S. Open that the personal satisfaction for him comes from when he leaves the court knowing that he gave everything that he had and that he played with great attitude. And in the end, you know, whether he won or lost that match, he's, he's satisfied. He, he's, he's, he's okay with it either way. And I think that that's something that we can all really – uh, grasp onto because you know you and I could say that Josh and people are like yeah whatever those guys who, who are they but you know Rafael Nadal says that I mean it carries a lot of weight and if that's really how he approaches this stuff um, yeah then we should really kind of sit up and listen and say all right this is somebody who has actually achieved things that almost nobody else in the world has achieved um, we should listen to that Totally, totally. And I think he's definitely an example of somebody who, you know, doesn't doesn't seem to focus too too much on on the results. It's it's more about him giving his best each day. And he'll he'll talk about that during during press conferences and how, you know, he knows going into each match that it has, you know, he has to give how you bring out his best tennis if he was gonna have any sort of chance. Um which is, is sometimes comical just hearing it from a player with his sort of, you know, a repertoire and a, uh, and a resume. Um, but you know, I, I think he, he definitely embodies, um, this philosophy. Um, I, I think, I think also, you know, th- this concept of, of playing to win has a lot to do with playing one point at a time. Um, because, a big part of playing to win, a big part of being a great competitor and, and focusing on a lot of these things that we're talking about is that ability to put things behind you and that ability to sort of approach each point or approach each moment anew. Um, where let's say we let's say we lost the last point. And as we've talked about, you're gonna win and lose a lot of points out here. Um, right around fifty percent, in fact. Um, but you know, if you if you lost the last point, and particularly if you double faulted or you hit an unforced error, or somebody, you know, hit a lob right over your head, or somebody, you know, hit a really nice winner on you, you might be feeling dejected, frustrated, annoyed going into the next point. And if you if you don't have the ability to Put that last point behind you, and you know, ab- approach the next point with a fresh mindset, and and have a process of resetting. Going into that point, you're in trouble. Your your chances of being successful in that point significantly go down. Um, which is why I think it's so important 
in order to be the best competitor you can be in order to play to win um to make sure that 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 really is one of your priorities and and Brian you brought up goals earlier i think that can be that can and, and is oftentimes a really good starting point for for one of those goals going into a match to play one point at a time to bring that level of intensity to each point regardless of the score regardless of what else is going on out there um because that to me and, and maybe this in certain ways brings things full circle that is really trying to you know that th- that is what it means or, or part of what it means to really play um in a way that prioritizes learning and the the development process because every time you're out there every point you're out there you're trying to really give it all you've got regardless of what you know what whatever else has happened regardless of what level you happen to be that day regardless of so many of these other outside factors regardless of who's on the other side of the net um trying to put all of those different puzzle pieces together between you know the the different areas of your game the mental the physical you know the whether that's strength and conditioning the the technical areas you know trying to put everything together um and with the with the end goal with the end goal of you know being the best you can be but playing each point with that intention of winning with trying to do everything that you can to try to win right but but not having that be sort of first and foremost um so i i think you know when we think about approaching each point trying to have the philosophy of whatever it is maybe it is love 40 maybe we're down you know 5 5 love in the set what whatever it is but how what is the type of mindset and attitude that i want and then how do i get there what do I, you know, what does my routine look like in between points? What does my self-talk look like? How can I breathe in a way where, you know, I'm going to be feeling the way that I want to feel in between points, going into the point, and during the point, right? Not making sure that we we don't forget about that when the point actually starts. Um, so I think, you know, on this topic, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, when we think about tennis as uh, a lifetime sport, tennis is a sport you can play for a very long time, perhaps your whole life. Um, the way that we get there, the way that we really do that in the best possible way is by sort of starting with, okay, where, where am I heading? You know, what is the player that I'm trying to be? And if that is, if that can be the goal of being the best player, we can be prioritizing that learning process in terms of how we get there um yeah as we've talked about it can definitely take pressure off and it can make it easier to really follow that that path of continuing to get better each and every day and and that you know i think there's different applications whether that's on the practice court and trying to set that goal of becoming you know one percent better a little bit better or that's during a match and trying to you know approach each point with the same sort of a mindset trying to maybe maybe you have a match you know match journal that you're using um, and and training journal, but trying to you know learn from each each experience, trying to get a little bit better from each experience. But I think there there's ways to apply this sort of mindset to to, to different areas of the game, um, 
And yeah, I, I think it, it, it all, you know, it's one point at a time. It's one day at a time in order to get a little bit closer to these goals. And I think we have to remember too, Josh, that, you know, these matches are challenging mentally and emotionally. Um, and, you know, maybe even more so than regular life. And we're all going out on the court. We're voluntarily doing this, right? Uh, we're signing up for these things. And if it's just all about winning, then the, the, the purpose seems empty. Why are we putting ourselves in situations that are mentally and emotionally challenging? What's the point? Um, the point really should be to be helping you to become a stronger person mentally and emotionally. You're working on your own sense of self. You're working on your own philosophy as a person. Um, what if you brought that more to the purpose of why you play tennis? Um, because if, if it's all about winning, the enjoyment of the sport will eventually start to drop off because you're not always going to win. And there's always going to be some, it may not happen every match, but there's going to be some difficult emotions. There's going to be some conflict out there. Uh, and if you can give this a more, you know, overarching purpose in your own mind of like how this is actually making you a tougher, and stronger person so that when perhaps you're challenged in your regular life, you're better equipped to handle it. Um, you know, so I think we've often, maybe we've mentioned this on a, on a previous episode, you know, this type of tennis training is almost like superhero training because you're, 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 you're actually putting yourself in a situation voluntarily where you're getting different kinds of challenges thrown at you and we see how you do. And then the goal is, all right, let's see how you do with that challenge the next time. Because there might be particular um, challenges on the court that we fail at over and over again. And I know we've talked about this, Josh, that these need to be looked at as necessary experiences. So if you're consistently um, losing five, two leads in sets, it's not something to be avoided. It's not something to fix, per se. It's we got to embrace that experience. What's going on there? That experience is trying to tell you something. Something must change. Are you willing to listen to it? Or are you simply going to go into every 5-2 lead thinking, ah, I always struggle with this. I can't close out sets. Um, if that's the attitude, then you continue to have that. And that attitude couldn't be prevalent when it's all about winning. But when you can break it down into, all right, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this particular experience. How do I need to approach it differently? What do I need to change about myself so that I can begin to handle that experience better? Um, so if I, I think if we can look at tennis as, in a way, you know, superhero training, it's, it's helping us become stronger, better people. And much of what we experience on the court are simply necessary experiences on our journey. Um, and many of them will all go through. It's almost like tennis. Like if you were to start at one end of a field, it's like, say, a minefield. Um, you're going to have to work your way through the minefield. And there are going to be different mines that you hit than maybe I hit. We might have a few of the same ones on that way to that you know, sort of mythical other side of the field where mastery 
is. Um, but we're all going to hit different things, different obstacles, different experiences that we need to improve. And it's okay. <laughs> That's actually making you better and stronger. We don't want to avoid these obstacles. We want to tackle them, go through them. This is why Ryan Holiday, you know, this is sort of the overarching theme of his book, The Obstacle is the Way. You know, that was something that Marcus Aurelius said. You don't go around obstacles, you go through them because they make you stronger. Now it's become part of your experience bank. You've got that experience now to rely on. Um, and then you, you build confidence, you build efficacy, and you move on. Now you're ready for the next challenge, the next necessary experience for you. Um, we may all have some common ones, but other people will have more unique ones in their career. Um, and if we can look at that more as learning and training to become the best players we can become, become the best people we can become, I think, as you said probably early on, Josh, this really helps take off the pressure of what we're trying to do. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that you brought up the obstacles the way, and I think there there really is a lot of you know, a, a lot of philosophy be behind this, this idea. Um, and, and I think, you know, by, by reading a book like that, you start to see that these experiences that we have, that maybe we, um, we label as negative, we label as, you know, we, we, we don't want to have them necessarily. Um, if we can view them in a different way and, and recognize that these are the types of things that, to help us get stronger and help us get better, ultimately, um, then you know it, it really changes the way that 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 we view them, right? It, you know, if, if you if you do keep losing five two five three leads, right? You there, there's two ways. There, there's a couple ways to view. It. You could say, oh, this, you know, maybe I shouldn't be playing this sport. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Or you could say, okay, what what can I actually learn from that? What what's happening in that moment? Am I am I tightening up? And then once I get tight, I'm double faulting or I'm, you know, I, I have too many errors in my game. Is it my decision-making? Does my decision-making suffer? Do I stop moving my feet? I know with me, sometimes when I get tight, um, well, sometimes my, my forehand really struggles, but my feet, I, I stop really moving my feet in a, in the way that I, that I ought to, um, which, which causes a lot of a lot of problems. Um, so, so to, to start noticing, okay, what, what happens in that moment where I struggle, right? Can, can I really examine and learn from the experience? Um, and I think also with, with this idea of the obstacle, uh, um, the obstacles, the way, um, it, it also reminds me of a guy who I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners have, have heard, have heard of, or have, re have read, you know, read his book or, or, you know, watched, watch videos of him, David Goggins, where he talks a lot about doing hard things and, you know, having, you know, doing all sorts of, all sorts of things that, um, I mean, I know he at one point was, I think over 300 pounds and, you know, lost a, a tremendous amount of, of weight, became a, a Navy SEAL, you know, does all sorts of, um, ultra, ultra marathon and triathlon, um, races, you know, does, I, th I think races that are sometimes over a hundred, hundred miles. He does, you know, he, he is consistently more than, more than almost anyone I've ever heard of consistently pushing boundaries, consistently pushing limits, trying to do hard, harder and harder things. 
sort of with the overarching philosophy that these are all making him better. These are all making him stronger, tougher. Um, and, you know, I definitely not saying that we all need to go out and, and do things like that, but, you know, I, I think it, it definitely fits into this idea that, um, you know, each of the experiences that we have in life ultimately can make us better. We can learn from if viewed in a, in a productive way. Yeah, I like that. Maybe that's a good place to end too. It's sort of like using these little hard things to, again, make us tougher. Um, and, and they don't have to be sort of, you know, where David Goggins is today. I mean, you know, when he first began the journey, it probably was just, hey, let's just do two push-ups. Um, let's park far away and walk or let's take these stairs instead of the elevator, right? Just these little things um, that begin to, you know, kind of make you tougher. So, um, yeah, we'd love to get feedback on today's topic from you. So if you've got any feedback for me and Josh, please email us at, at tennisidqpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you know, so maybe we can help out with some learning goals or whatever, you know, that, that may be, but, um, that's, uh, hopefully people got a good amount out of this uh, episode and want to thank everybody for listening. Um, you know, you know, additionally, we'd love for you to please subscribe to the show and your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube, so you can be notified of, of new episodes. You can also check us out on Instagram. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash tennisiq slash membership. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode.